Before the Bell, episode 7. Courtney. Welcome back, guys, to yeah. another episode. Yeah, man, welcome back. Um, we're recording a little bit late today because um, I've been away in New York City. Um, but I'm back, and it's Monday, and another weekend of fighting. And, um, yeah, a truly devastating knockout on this uh, on this weekend, wouldn't you say, Courtney? Yes, by Deontay Wanda. Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get to that fight. We'll also talk about um, the hometown kid of um, Billy Joe Saunders fighting um, this weekend as well. And then, yeah, we'll talk about some quick mentions and what's happening in the weeks ahead. So part one, let's get straight into Deontay Wilder. This fight had a lot of tension, um, a lot of a lot of talk before this fight happened. Deontay Wilder talking about how he's going to um, leave Dominic Brazil in a body bag, how he shouldn't bring his family to this fight. There's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of beef and tension. And then, yeah, the fight happened and it didn't last too long, Courtney. Didn't last too long at all. Um, yeah, Wilder said that um, he, uh, uh, boxing is the only sport where he can kill a man and get paid for it. And that did leave a, t- a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, many boxing pundits, many promoters. Well, the thing is, Deontay Wilder, he's trying to be that kind of bad guy, isn't he? I, I think he's trying to play up the that persona of being the wild man. I mean, did you see what he, he came dressed in? He, he looked like a character from Game of Thrones um, in his walk-in. You know, he had this uh, bird mask on. He had like a crown, leather sequins. It was a very outrageous um, attire to, you know, to wear to a boxing match. So, yeah, he's clearly trying to be different and trying to be this kind of bad guy. Um, but yeah, carry on. What's your thoughts on this fight in general? Um, just exactly what I said. I said something along the lines last week that uh, Brazil has no chance. He'll get starched. Um, and that's exactly what happened. It, it was. I think it was It was a fun fight up until the knockout. So um, Deontay Wilder controlled it with his, mostly with his jab. Uh, a lot of one-twos down the pipe. Um, and ultimately... That that's what still didn't knock out for him. So, um, he he backed uh, Brazil up into the corner with a two one two straight down the pipe. Brazil was reeling, and as he was in the corner, he got a bit carried away and just didn't move his head much. And then Brazil hit him with two counter rights that pushed Wilder back. But that was only a sequence of maybe eight to ten seconds. Apart from that, yeah, Brazil had nothing. That's right. I nothing. think it was good to actually see it. Um, you know, it's only one round and only like two minutes, 17 seconds. But yeah, it was good to see that kind of back and forth, that it wasn't just one-sided. Because yeah, Brazil, he did have that. He did shake Wilder up a little bit with those two right-hand punches. And I think that's what Wilder can do. He can get a little bit what, a little bit wild. He can, um, when he sensed the, that, that Brazil was, you know, wobbly and a little bit injured, he just goes in and he just starts throwing. And uh, it was a good response from Brazil, but in the end, it didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to touch on the technicalities of the knockout. Um, so if you watch the fight, you see that mostly Wilder is a throwing one twos jab, uh, straight down, straight right hand, right down the middle, and he hit uh, Brazil multiple times. Um, so when it comes to the knockout, now he uh, he throws a jab straight down the middle, which uh, Brazil was expecting, and he's 
because he's constantly getting hit with right hands, you're expecting the, the punch to come straight down the middle. But what Wilder does is that he starts off straight down the middle, and uh, at like the last moment, he kind of turns it into a hook. And normally, you normally wouldn't really do that because you lose the power of it. So you're changing the trajectory of the punch. But Wilder has crazy power, so for him, it's not really a big deal. So he did that, and that caught him flush. But no, not only did he do that, when he was throwing his uh, the jab and the straight hand down the middle, he would obviously step in with the jab, as you do. You have to step in when you throw the jab. But before he knocked him out, when he threw the jab before the right hand that knocked Brazil out, he stepped in like he did a really deep step in. So two things there. He did a deep stepping that put Brazil off. And then he like he turned the, the, the punch down the middle into a hook. And Brazil was expecting a normal jab and a hand down the middle. And that's ultimately what uh, knocked Brazil out. So it was actually good tactics from Wilder. Yeah, I remember when Wilder fought uh, Fury. Fury basically was taking a piss, really, talking about how um, Deontay Wilder only has, what, one or two punches, pretty much. And it's true in a sense, because it's pretty much, you know, Deontay Wilder, he knows what his, uh, you know, what's going to pay the bills, and that's that devastating right hand. So he just keeps it, he keeps it in the chamber, he just keeps it cocked, and he, he throws the jab, and then he has so much leverage, because he stands so sideways, doesn't he? So, so by the time he kind of comes back around and swings his shoulders and swings his, his hips back around to deliver that punch, it has so much leverage and so much power. And yeah, it's a beautiful knockout. Um, Deontay Wilder's 40th knockout in 42 bouts. That's, uh, that's an amazing record. And yeah, when you watch it live, the sound that it made, how do you describe that sound? Um, it's, it's hard to describe, man. It's... It was yeah. It was just. I mean, it's a, it was a crazy sound, man. It's almost like. You see when you have a belt, yeah, and you turn it in and you put it in half, and then you kind of pull it, and it makes that kind of sound. Yeah. It kind of sounded like that. Yeah, and just you could just see the faces and, the fact that it was it, it was just in you know two minutes seventeen seconds of the very 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 first round, you could just see the, the shock, um, you know, in the audience and the people's people's mouths just like you know wide open just thinking wow that just really happened so yeah I mean let's talk about Brazil um you know prior to the me pressing the record button on this podcast you you, you were talking about how his lack of head movement um really hurt him in this fight so can you just elaborate on that yeah I mean especially if you're taking shots from Wilder um I'll just quickly touch on Wilder quickly before I touch on Brazil um Wilder for me definitely in the heavyweight division, he's got the fastest, um, like, one shot. So when he throws a shot uh, from a standing, from a, from a still position, not like combinations, from A to B, so from, his, uh, from him throwing it to the person's body or face, it's the fastest. I think he's even faster than uh, Fury. Fury's got faster combinations, but just a single shot, Fury, uh, Wilder has got the fastest. So... That being said, if you're not going to have head movement against Wilder and you know that he's got the one, two, the jab and the right hand down the middle, you're going to get hit a lot. And that was uh, Brazil's uh, problem. He really doesn't move his head. He only moves his head when he uh, sees a shot coming. But sometimes that's too late because you might just move your head a bit and it might still graze you. And as it grazed you, you're going to readjust and get hit by another shot. So it's just really... And then in the fight, he got hit by um, Wilder, one, two down the middle. And rather than come in at a different angle and come forward, he came, he came back in the same position that he got hit in. Like, yeah, I think he was trying to be brave just, just to show that 
he wasn't being hurt by the punches and just to show that he could walk walk him down and, and not be afraid of him. But yeah, not not the best tactic, I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, two minutes, 17 seconds. I would have liked to see this go a little bit longer just because, you know, I always like to see Deontay Wilder fight. I've not seen too much of um, Dominic Brazil, so I can't really say too much about what he did right and wrong in this fight. But you know him more. I mean, compared to his previous bouts, I mean, apart from the head movement, I mean, his technique in general, did it, was it worse or what? He was no different. He's the same. I mean, he's got power and he's a tough man. And, uh, you know, I actually understand now how really hard Deontay Wilder punches. So I just don't understand how Tyson Fury got from that shot. I mean, Tyson Fury, as they say, is a gypsy king, man. He must have some special gypsy powers. Yeah, that um, was magic. But yeah, he punches so hard because Brazil have been hit um, with some really serious punches by other heavyweights. He lost to Joshua. Joshua knocked him out in the seventh round, but he took so many shots from Joshua. Um, yeah, I mean, from the Joshua fight and the other fights, there really is no difference. He just fought the same. He, he is what he is. A big a biggish puncher and a tough man. But yeah. you can't be a tough man walking straight lines and have no head movement against Deontay Wilder. You'll get starched. That's, and that's what happened. Yeah, I think um, Deontay Wilder has won some new fans with this fight, not only for the performance, but um, he spoke very well after the fight. So post-fight, he was... He, he became very humble. I mean, if you compare him post-fight to him pre-fight and, you know, the, the things he said, um, it was like two different men, really. So he became very humble. He um, hugged his, you know, his opponent, which was nice to see. And he just talked about how, even though there was real hate between these two guys, that it was, you know, they kind of squashed the beef in the ring, really. So, um, yeah, it's good to see. But, yeah, I mean, what's next? What is next for for Wilder obviously everybody everybody wants uh, Wilder to fight Anthony Joshua um, can we dream that that fight is going to happen um, it is going to happen I feel like it's going to happen in January if it's not Joshua then it will be Tyson Fury rematch so basically long story short they all have their own contracts Joshua is with the zone um, Fury is with um, top rank at ESPN and obviously um Wilder is with, is with uh, Al Heyman and the PBC. And, you know, they all are, not only you've got the, the different TV networks, you've got the different promotional uh, entities as well. So it will happen. Tyson Fury's got a five-fight deal. He's going to fight Swartz in June, and then he's going to have another fight towards the end, end of the year. And that fight won't be Wilder, it won't be Joshua. And that's already written in stone for him. But they really want to fight Wilder rematch in January. And it's similar for Joshua. Wilder... Is thinking, okay, I'm gonna have another. F- he's he's got a rematch with Luis Ortiz that is basically set in stone. It's not been it's not been um, uh, announced. But if you watch boxing and you follow all the politics, you can see these things. Everyone's got fights. Joshua's got another fight after um, Andy Ruiz that's already set in stone. So they won't fight each other this year. But it will be Joshua versus Wilder, or Fury versus Wilder two in January or February. I I can almost guarantee it. I'm getting excited about that already. I mean, e- either of those two fights is, um, yeah, very, very mouth-watering indeed. Um, so, yeah, let's get to some um, reviews then for these two fighters and um, this fight as a whole. Um, just to change things up, I think I would rate this fight a 9 out of 10. I'm just going to come out and say it as a 9 out of 10 fight. The fact that it, the atmosphere, it felt big. And then... 
Um, it wasn't just you know one way. It was it was actually you know the fight. Brazil came back at a certain point and um, had Deontay Wilder wobbled. So I think that was good to see. It wasn't just a straight um, domination. And then the way it ended, that that surprise knockout, that beautiful step in, um, one two, and uh, and and then the you know the crowd just erupted. So for me, that's a nine out of ten boxing match. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, what about you? How do you rate the fight? Yeah, um, same as you. Uh, nine out of ten, definitely deserved. It's one really good for the casual fans. Casual fans are really like that. Um, uh, even though you know more. Than, Per se, uh, Wilder dominated, but uh, Brazil was he was uh, he was in the fight. He wasn't some you know walkover tomato can. He was there in spurts. So um, definitely a nine out of ten for the fight. Um, what would you give them individually? Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, I, I started Wilder, and to be honest, he didn't really have to do that much in this fight. Um, and again, I, I feel like he kind of got a little bit too crazy when he felt he had uh, Brazil hurt and that's when he took those two big punches mm. so from a technique point of view I, I love how he stepped in for the knockout win I love how he generates so much power and um, you know we talked about how he kind of fainted um, you, know, you know an uppercut and then it was an uppercut to the body so it's clear that he does have technique and uh, you know Tyson Fury isn't quite right when he says that you know he's just a he only has one punch that's not quite right um but he's, you know, he can improve at 33. It's weird to say that he can improve, but um, I feel like there's something even bigger coming from Deontay Wilder. And that will come when he fights somebody of the caliber of um, Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua again. But yeah, I digress. I would say, again, I'll stick with a nine. Yeah. Nine out of ten. Um, just, just for the small mistake of getting a bit too crazy and then getting clipped. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I will go for, I'm going to give Wilder a, uh, an 8 out of 10. I think it was a good performance. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel feel like it's a 9. I mean, he he deserves a 9, but I just feel it's more of an 8 out of 10. Um, and Brazil, um, what would you give Brazil? Yeah, Brazil. The thing is, he talked, you know, I mean, I mean he, he had to talk prior to this fight because Deontay Wilder was talking crazy. So prior to this fight... He said that he'd destroy Wilder. So, I mean, you know, in retrospect, that just looks a little bit silly now. Um, he did deserve this challenge. I mean, he, he is the mandatory challenger. So, you know, there is no doubt that he deserved to be, you know, in the same ring as this guy. But there's levels to this game. And, um, yeah, I just feel I agree with you. You know, when you pointed out the fact that there was just no head movement, uh, he was just trying to be brave. You know, he's trying to be brave, walk down his opponent, Showed that he's a strong man, but he just didn't have the technique and the defense to really protect himself when that knockout came. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go over five. You could be generous and go 5.5, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the five. Um, I'm going to go for a second answer. Um, he doesn't deserve a six, but I mean, it was a fun fight, so I feel like a 5.5 is fair for him. Yeah. Yep, fair enough. Okay, that's, um, that's that fight over and done with, and that's part one over and done with. So when we come back, we'll talk about Billy Joe Saunders and his fight this weekend. And then after that, we'll get into what's happening next weekend. So back after this. If you want to know everything about fighting, subscribe to our channel. 
Okay, Before the Bell podcast part two. So we mentioned before uh, we went away in part one, Billy Joe Saunders fighting live from Stevenage. And um, before we get into that, though, on the same card, on the undercard, we had um, Joey Joyce, the the British. Did he win the Olympic gold or? He he, he, he won the fight, but he got given the silver because, you know, politics. But everyone, if you watch the final... He definitely it was in Rio in twenty sixteen. I thought he definitely won that fight, but yeah, he got the silver. So Joe Joyce, the Olympic silver le- um, medalist, he fought um, on the undercard. He fought a Russian forty something year old. So you think that fight was a bit of a you know a bit of a walkover? Really, yeah. Um, so uh, Joe, the juggernaut, juggernaut Joyce, um, he is actually a unit. I have met him met him in person, and the man is huge. Like, huge. He's bigger than Joshua. And he looks slow as well. Yeah, it's weird. Because um, he looks very slow when he throws his punches, but all his punches always still land. So I just think the way he throws them, and he's so big, his punches look slower than they actually are. Um, and when I did watch him box live, I mean, he didn't look as slow as he looked on TV as well. So he's just really big. So he fought Alexander Nusnov, 44, something like that. The, he's an old man. He's really slow. I mean, it was like a sparring match. There was really nothing in the fight. Yusinov um, did nothing for the three rounds, and he just got hit with a big shot in the third round and got up after 10. I mean, that was basically it. Not much to say. There was no back and forth. I think because Joe Joyce knew it was really easy for him, he probably just took his foot off the gas and just cruised, cruised to a knockout. I yeah. Think. I mean, you know, a win's a win and all that, and um, that's... 9-0 and now for Joe Joyce, right? So, you know, British heavyweight, you know, we're talking about the heavyweight division quite a lot these days. It's a very active, heavy, um, you know, healthy division. So what's your thoughts on, I mean, he's only, you know, nine fights in, so let's not get, let's not go too crazy, but what's your thoughts on Joe Joyce? What's his reputation in the game? What's going to come next for him? I think we have to go maybe a bit crazy with him because he's 33. And he's only been a professional maybe about 14 months. Maybe a bit more than that. Less than two years. So let's say maybe 16 months. And he's had nine fights in that time. That's really late to become yeah, a boxer then. it really is late. Um, so he needs to be pushed quick. And he fought the mains of Stefan, former WBC champion of the world. Uh, his title was taken from him from the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder. So he's fought some decent opponents up and coming. Um, so he's now signed to Frank, Rom- Frank Roman's label. Um, stable of fighters um, and on July the 13th two other British heavyweights Nathan Gorman versus Daniel Dubois they fight and they're the headline of that show and he's on the undercard so on the undercard of that Joe Joyce should be fighting a big name a biggish name so I think when he wins that fight he may even fight the winner of uh, Nathan Gorman versus um, Daniel Dubois but from what you've seen of him I mean we, we talked about the fact that he's a yeah he's a large man he's a unit um, but he does look slow to my mm-hmm. untrained eyes. From what you've seen of him, how do you think he will fare in general going forward? Um, it's a difficult one. Um, I definitely think he can get a world title, and I think he'll give everyone a lot of people problems. But someone like Tyson Fury, I think even Deontay Wilder, Deontay Wilder is too athletic for him. Tyson Fury just box rings around him. I would like to see him against maybe a Derek Chisora to see how he would fare against Derek Chisora. That would be a nice contest for him. But I think I would go, I think he would beat both Dubois and Gorman, even though they're really good up and comings. 
he's just so big. Um, but I think uh, a good um, how can we say a good benchmark for him would be uh, Derek Chisora. I think that's a good call. Um, as soon as you said Derek Chisora, I just thought yeah, perfect because they're both they're both very large men, and um, I think that would be a good contest. I mean, yeah, Joe Joyce he won he won this match. He's undefeated. Um, and things are looking great for British heavyweights in particular. So, yeah, should we move on? Yeah, let's go. All right then. So yeah, the main the main event of the evening um, from Stevenage was of course Billy Joe Saunders, and he fought Shefat Isufi. I I hope I'm not destroying that name. And um, that went the full distance, twelve rounds for the WBO super middleweight. So yeah, you're a big fan of. Billy Joe, so I can let you um, lead the lead the way on this one. Before I do that, I just want to congratulate you on that pronunciation, because that was actually pretty much spot on. Thanks very much. Um, Billy, uh, what can I say about Billy Joe Saunders? Um, I think he's a boxing genius. Um, I'll I'll just I'll I'll I'll, I'll say a quote um, from a well-known boxer who was actually on the on the card of. Uh, Deontay Wilder versus Dominic Brazil, uh, Gary Russell Jr. We'll mention that later. But Gary Russell Jr., he says this, boxing is uh, intellect man- manifested in the phys- physical form. And coming from that quote, I think Billy Joe Saunders is, apart from Mayweather, of course, um, Billy Joe Saunders is the perfect boxer to, you know, that compliments that quote. I mean... Yeah, I mean, just to be honest, from what I saw, yeah, yeah, from what I saw of that fight... Uh, I kind of liken him to a bigger version of Lomachenko. And for me, as far as footwork goes, Lomachenko has the best footwork in the game. So, yeah, that's um, that's high praise for me. He's he, He's got a lot of pace. Um, and, yeah, he's got good footwork. And then, I mean, hopefully we'll just get to see him fighting some, some real class acts in this division. Um, but we've already talked about the fact that boxing politics might prevent him fighting the top 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 guys but yeah I mean you say he looked sharper than ever or you know was that an improvement or what since his last fight he looked at well he had a fight that no one really knows about in December I was actually wait we was actually at the fight he was on the undercard of um Carl Frampton versus um forget that guy's 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 name now Warrington Josh Warrington yeah um he was on the undercard of that, but it was he was he fought at like hundred and eighty five pounds because he was a bit out of shape, and it was just a tick over, so you can't really count that fight. But his last meaningful fight was against Lemieux. I don't think he looked as sharp as he did against Lemieux, but that's just because Lemieux was a way more formidable opponent than this guy. You get touched by Lemieux, your lights is out. So he was really switched on. But I mean, considering he hasn't had a real fight in fourteen months, you don't really want to count the fight in December. He looked really sharp. He looked like he fought six months ago. Um, I think he was playing about a little bit because of his his uh, opponent. Not that his opponent is uh, wasn't good. His t- opponent deserved to be there. He was WBO mandatory. It's just that if you look at his previous fights, um, Lemieux, Willie Monroe Mon- Jr., uh, Andy Lee, who, when he beat Andy Lee for the title at 160, I mean, those guys are almost elite. This guy's a good fighter, but he's not elite. So, um, But he did look very sharp. I mean, he danced, he danced rings around him. He only lost one round, in my opinion, which was round six, because he got complacent because he was so easy and he got hit with a shot. Yeah, he um, was wobbled, wasn't he, yeah, a little bit? Wobbled in round six, but that was more his mistake than any quality of the, the fighter. Um, okay, let's show um, Chef out some love then, you know, a little bit of love just for the fact that he's he, he, he stayed game. You made a very good point um, 
you know, Billy Joe was kind of hunting for the knockout early on, but I think he realised that with Shefat's guard, very, very good um, defence, he kind of knew it would be hard work to, to, to get him out of there. So in the end, he just kind of he just kind of went back to boxing. So yeah, what, what would you say about Shefat's performance in general? Um, he, you know what, I, I give him props, because he actually was, even though he didn't have the acumen to really beat Billy Joe, um, and that's not p- putting, um, you know, putting Shefat down, that's just saying how much quality, quality uh, Billy Joe is. He did have a good high guard, um, and he was actually trying to win. His game plan was just a, just a he almost at times made himself look really, really bad to really gold Billy Joe in. So, like, do some silly, silly mistakes. But Billy Joe was uh, switched on. He knew what Shepard was trying to do. Um, and it almost came off in the sixth round. Um, again, as I say, it's 50-50. Shepard was looking for it. But at the same time, Billy Joe, you know, he made a mistake, got too complacent. Um, but, I mean, he, he gave his best effort. Um, but, it, you know, there's levels to this. And he wasn't there, yeah. level-wise. And then, yeah, the judges gave this one pretty much unanimous. Um, almost the full 12 round. I think one judge gave it the full 12 yeah, rounds so to Billy Joe. One judge was 120, 108. That's all 12 rounds. One judge was 117. Uh, I'm trying to do my math. I think 111. And the one eight, that's it. 118, um, 110, I think. And 117, 111 was the other two judges. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty wide decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. It was a good performance by Billy Joe. But again, you know, we want to see him. You know, if this guy has the potential that you say, you know, you're a huge fan of this. If he's got the potential that you say he has to to, to really do something in this division, he, he's really got to fight some, um, some household names. So what do you say about his next steps? And, you know, how, we, how do we get Billy Joe's name out there into the world? So... So now he's at 168 pounds, right? Canelo and Golovkin are at 160. No one was willing to fight Billy Joe. I think I mentioned maybe last week or the week before that he signed a contract to fight Golovkin twice and sometimes it uh, somehow it fell through. And that's no fault of Billy Joe's. Everyone knows as well there's no fault of Billy Joe's. One of them was because he had the Canelo fight. So he's not really going to fight Billy Joe, is he? He's going to go fight Canelo. Um, and... When Billy Joe fought Andy Lee and won the world title, uh, the winner of that fight signed a contract to fight uh, Canelo after, I think. I think it was Canelo. Might have been Golovkin. Um, and again, it fell through. So it's not like he wasn't trying to fight these big names. But now he's at 168 pounds. He won that title. So he's a two-weight world champion, which is um, not a vast amount of guys in the history of boxing are two-weight world champions. Um, so at this weight, you've got Callum Smith, he beat George Groves. He's the consensus number one at 168 pounds. He's got the Ring Magazine title, the WBA Super World title. Um, that's an easy fight to make in yeah. the UK. Um, do you think that's going to happen? Do you think that will be what 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 kind of stadium and you know sellout? Do you think that will attract? So that can happen. Billy Joel said that he wants to be active. He actually asked Frank Warren to put him on the undercard of uh, Daniel Dubois versus Nathan Gorman on July 13th, which I hope happens. At least he gets another fight. It will have to be someone in the top 15 of the WBO because he has to defend his title. Um, Callum Smith fights on June the 1st against um, Hassan Emdam, uh, who I actually met in person and have a picture with. He was actually there, Kez. Yeah, that <laughs> you, was Manchester. You took the picture, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so Callum Smith fights um, him on June the 1st. So, and then again, Billy Joe wants to fight in September. 
or August. Callum Smith won't have enough time to f- fight from June and then fight again in August or September. So I feel that could happen in December or maybe January. But there's other there's other fighters. There's Caleb Plant from America, another fighter who's so classy that I, I mean, he's got skills. Um, he's mentioned Billy Joe a few times. Um, Chris Shubat Jr. rematch at 168 pounds. Um, he beat uh, James DeGale um, in his last fight, Eubank. So that could be a fight as well. So he's got options and big paydays and options at 168 pounds. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think British fight fans are gonna be you know licking the lips really for this for whatever comes next for Billy Joe. I, you know, like you mentioned, um, fighting against Eubank Junior Part Two that would be you know that that would be a you know a huge um, box office fight you know for British fans. So um, yeah, let's not forget about this fight in general. Let's um, let's let's give both these fighters some scores, and um, you know, see who wins on our scorecards. Um, Billy Joe. I feel like I'm giving him too much props, but it was a very good performance, um, and it was a smart performance, um, because a lot of people would probably get carried away and try to knock that dude out and maybe get caught. And get knocked out. So I'm going to give Billy Joe a 9. I think it was a masterful boxing performance. Well, uh, you, are a, you are a fan, aren't you? Yeah, man. I really am, man. This, the game of, this game is hit and not be hit, man. You know, you don't want to leave this game without no faculties left. Exactly. Um, so I really, I really see the art, especially when you could put some power into it. Um, and he wobbled Sheffat, especially in rounds 1 to 4. He wobbled him a few times. Um, Sheffat is Sufi. Um, he was game. Um, the thing with Sheffield, he never really had a... He just had one plan, one game plan. And in boxing, you can't have one game plan. Just plan A. He didn't have plan B or C. So Sheffield, I was going to give him a six, but because he didn't have plan A, he had one game plan, I'm going to give him a five. All right, all right. Um, yeah, I'll let you call that one. I'll just say that, yeah, like I said, um, Billy Joe looks very, very good, and you know, for someone of his size, someone at uh, one hundred and sixty-eight pounds, or whatever he is, he moves very, very fast. He's got that kind of pivot, that foot, that footwork that Lomachenko has, and you know, Lomachenko fights at what one two, one hundred thirty-five pounds, one hundred thirty-five. So, yeah, um, for me, fantastic technique. So, I would agree on your nine out of ten. Maybe I'd go slightly lower just because. You know, um, he didn't put him out. But again, Shefat Yusufi had very, very good guard. So, um, talking about that then, what would you say about the whole fight in general? Um, it takes two to tango. Um, Shefat, again, I give him props, he stuck to his game plan. But at this level, you can't have one game plan. So, um, Billy Joe, you know, he would, he definitely was good. Um, but he wasn't under any pressure. So... I give it. It's a hard one, man. I think I think a six point five. I'll give it. I want to give it a seven, but I'll give it because casual fans are watching it. There needs to be a bit more excitement, so a six point five. I'll give it. All right. Okay. That's um. That's part two over and done with. When we come back, we'll talk about the UFC card that happened this weekend. Rafael dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee, and then Gary Russell Jr. Um, we'll talk about that and then yeah some other quick mentions from the world of fighting you've been listening to Before the Bell podcast 
All right, we are back for part three, which is going to be the final part of Before the Bell. So wipe your tears, people. Um, so in this part, we'll talk about the UFC card, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos against Kevin Lee. So last week, we mentioned that this was basically a fight to sort out who would be who would get their career in, in order and um, look to kind of advance onto possible title contention. And I had high hopes for Kevin Lee. But, yeah, he didn't quite manage it in this fight. Yeah, he, he didn't. I mean, he did some good stuff. I gave the first round to Kevin Lee. No, I think I gave the first round was a draw, I think. Uh, the second round I gave to... Um, no, I'm getting wrong. First round, Kevin Lee. Second round, Desanios. Third round, draw. And in the fourth round, um, Desanios won by um, a triangle choke. Um, it was a really good back and forth fight. Uh, both guys had their their moments. Um, Kevin Lee hit him quite a bit in the first round, um, but I think maybe Kevin Lee um, he didn't take into account that he moved up to one seventy. He had more muscle. Um, not only did he have more muscle to carry, he we already know him for getting tired at one hundred fifty five pounds in his fights. Yeah. So fighting at the same pace that he fought fights one hundred fifty five pounds with the extra muscle on. I mean, I feel like he got really tired. And if you look at the way that um, uh, RDA, R- uh, Rafael de Sanos, took his back um, and then um, ended up getting the triangle choke, it's just like he gave up. He just let him take his back. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, I thought he, he kind of gassed out um, in round four. So, yeah, submission at uh, three minutes and 47 seconds, arm triangle. And, yeah, a lot of fighters seem to do this nowadays where they'll change divisions, they'll move up or down to try and inject a bit of, I don't know, a, a, a bit of spark back into their careers. And um, Kevin Lee, uh, at one stage, looking like a you know a real phenom um, in the 155 division, super close to a, to a title contention, um, you know, to a title fight. And now, uh, what is this, two, possibly three defeats now in a row. Very disappointing, but yeah, I agree with you. It it, it was a um, you know pretty even fight for most of this. They both came to fight. They both you know didn't back down, but very 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 lazy or getting tired, gassed in um, in round four for for Kevin Lee to get submitted like that. But yeah, I think you're right there. It's a good point about the whole moving up to one seventy, carrying more mass. Um, but then some people say some people say that when you move up in weight, if you're closer to your natural weight, you haven't got to cut as much weight, and that means that you do have more energy because you because you're not dehydrated as much. So, what's your thoughts on that whole debate? It depends because um, with Kevin Lee, it wasn't yet. Yeah, he couldn't really make he couldn't weight the one hundred and fifty five pounds comfortable anymore. But we all knew, like. He's known for gassing out at 155. Yeah, you can go, you can go up and have more energy, um, but you still ha- you're still gonna have more muscle. So if you gas out easily at 155 pounds, yeah, you can go up to um, 170 and last longer. But why you can't you can't go up to 170 and fight harder than you do at 155 pounds and expect, you know, not to still gas out. I, I, I think his, he had a good game. His his fighting efforts and his style. He was kind of boxing a little bit, staying on the outside, uh, evade uh, RDA's um, takedowns, which was decent, but he just went at a really, really harsh pace. And also, 
you have to give your, your body time to acclimatize to the weight. So yes, after maybe two fights, cool, you're at your natural weight. Yeah, you can do what you want to do. But yeah. your first fight at a new weight, you yeah, you need to just uh, pace yourself. Well, that's the thing with UFC. They don't they don't put these top guys in against any you know any kind of easy fights at this stage. So yeah, moving up to one seventy and fighting against RDA as your first fight maybe not the best um, best idea there for Kevin Lee. So that's um, that was the UFC event. Do you want to move on or do you have anything else to say on this? Um, just that, just props to RDA because he took his time. He took his time. Um, and um, also, if you look if you look carefully at the triangle choke, in a triangle choke, an arm triangle choke, your arm is like up in the air, right? And to try and get, get out of it, what you have to do, yeah, is a... Uh, push your arm up with your left hand, with your whatever hand is uh, your opposite hand, push it up and then kind of try and slip out of it. Um, and Kevin Lee tried to do that. If you actually watch it, he tried to push his arm, but uh, RDA just had it really well cinched in. So, um, so yeah, just props to RDA for taking his time and, um, you know, uh, getting a win. All right. And again, uh, former champion RDA as well. So let's see what happens next for him. Now, let's go back onto boxing then with our favourite fighting family. Your favourite fight, fighting family. There you go. The, the fighting and Russell family. Um, I did mention this last week. Um, so, yeah, Gary Russell Jr., he was co-main event on uh, Wilder versus Brazil. Um, he fought Kiko Martinez, which Kiko Martinez may be a bit over the hill now. Um, he done what he needed to do, basically. So, um, yeah, as I was mentioning last week, there's a, he's got two brothers, so there's Gary Russell Jr., who's been around for quite a while. He fought Lomachenko, and Lomachenko only won it on a split decision. Um, he's been a WBC featherweight champion for um, maybe four or five years now. So Kiko Martinez is, is a um, former world champion. Um, decent opponent, but I mean, he just outboxed him uh, easily for, throughout the fight, really. Knocked him out in the fifth round. Um, but yeah, so we got Gary Russell Jr., then we got Gary Antonio Russell, and then we've got Gary Anton Russell. So, yeah, it's just funny. They're all really good fighters. Uh, Gary Russell was at the top, uh, the, the creme de la creme of the family, world champion at the top. The other two uh, brothers are in their early 20s, both good fighters, both undefeated, uh, beating their opponents quite easily. Um, so, yeah, I just it's just funny. They all got the same name. And, and they're all fighters. Yeah, and... Obviously, their dad must be, you know, a bit of a narcissist because he's obviously Gary Russell yeah. uh, Sr. Then you've got, you got Gary Russell Sr., their dad, Gary Russell Jr., and then you got... It's just, you know... Yeah. You know when, you know, um, you're kind of, you know, pregnant with your missus or whatever and, and you know, people are asking you, oh, what are you going to name the baby? And then he says, Gary Russell. And then, he, and then the next baby comes along. Oh, what are you going to name this baby? Gary Russell. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it just seems a little bit, um, like you say, he must be a special kind of guy to name all his you know, male heirs Gary Russell. I feel like if he could rename them all Gary Russell, he would, but you can't really do Gary Russell Jr. Jr. So <laughs> Gary, yeah. Gary Antoine Russell and Gary Antonio Russell is just ridiculous. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, good, uh, good fighters, um, you know. And you know, like you said, he did lose against Lomachenko, but that that was very, very, very close. And you know, Lomachenko is pretty much the top of the game, so not a bad showing there. And then for me now, um, I can go on to some quick mentions. 
just general um, news from the world of fighting. The top one for me, Anthony Joshua. We've talked about him quite a lot, and as we should, because he's probably the biggest name in boxing right now, especially in Britain. Um, so he's fighting in the US for the first time on June the 1st. He's fighting against Andy Ruiz. So, you know, we've talked about who Anthony Joshua should fight. We've got Fury, we've got Deontay Wilder. But he's picked Andy Ruiz. So can you explain the logic behind this one? Well, he was fighting Darrell Big Baby Miller. Well, as we know, Big Baby Miller got popped for drugs. Um, I won't go into it, but um, he got popped for um, very extremely bad drugs. It was actually the worst drug scandal in boxing history in terms of the drugs that he got found for. So I'll leave it at that. So they needed a replacement. They wanted to keep it an American, you know. Joshua comes to America. He breaks America. He beats an American. So uh, uh, anyway, he's the Mexican-American. He fought um, Joseph Parker, um, and um, that was for the vacant WBO heavyweight title, uh, which he lost to Joseph Parker. But um, me and most people... Uh, think that Andy Ruiz actually beat Joshua Parker, but it was in Australia, so Parker got the nod. So you rate you rate this guy then? I rate him. Um, it's hard to say it's because he's shorter. When you're the shorter man, you know they always say uh, a good bigger guy will always beat a a, a good smaller guy, normally. Um, so that's what I feel may happen. Um, so I'm gonna go with Joshua on this. But Andy Ruiz has got fast hands and he's got very good timing and he's got he's got probably I'd say a, a, besides Tyson Fury probably one one of the best head movements in the heavyweight division really. Okay. So um, it's going to be a good competitive fight. I think um, Ruiz might hurt Joshua, but I just think Joshua's size and height will get him the win. Well, obviously he's the favorite in this fight, and it would be. It would be a huge upset if um, Joshua didn't come out with a win. And even even not just a win, but a statement win, I feel. Um, just because he's trying to he's, he's trying to you know break America, like you say. He's trying to you know um, become a really big star. I, I think this fight, the fact that he hasn't fought any of the big three, okay, fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll give you that break. But now you have to really deliver and um, you know, give us a statement win here. Um, but looking at their records... Anthony Joshua, 22 and 0, 21 KOs. Andy Ruiz, not a bad record at all. He's got 32 wins, one defeat. And he's got 21 KOs as well. So, yeah, I think I think you're right to um, to rate him there. So, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that fight uh, next week because it's happening in two weeks' time. So, we can go deep on it next week. My other quick mention that I had was um, former prodigy of the, of the UFC. Now this kid had a super fast rise. He he um, went through the lower kind of fighting championships, and he just kind of beat everyone really. And then he was spotted by the UFC, signed by the UFC, and um, since then his career has not gone so well. Of course, it's Sage Northcutt. So he's now over at One FC over in Asia, and he has he had his uh, debut fight in One FC, and it. Didn't go too well. So could you just pick up what happened? Okay. Um, I has I hadn't I didn't even look at his opponent. I was like, he's a big star. He can probably bring more younger fans to one FC. So they're gonna give him an easy opponent. We must have been wrong, right? Um, 
I'm not sure what round it was, but he got hit with a pretty powerful right hand that put eight fractures in his face. Um, and he had to go into a nine-hour surgery because of it. Um, it's all it's all it's all over on online, so you know you can go to Instagram, YouTube, and find it. Um, it's, it doesn't look like a it's a good knockout. He's out. He's he lost the fight, but it didn't look that bad. But if you go to Sage Northcott's Instagram, there's videos of him of him in the hospital with multiple wires on him, wrap on his face. Yeah. So yeah, he got really starched. Yeah, yeah. It's a sh- it's a shame because. He had huge potential, and you know he he had the look. He's he, you know he's very um, photogenic looking guy. Um, and like I said, early in his career in, in you know, lower divisions, he was really you know rising fast. And um, so it, it's a shame that his career just came to an abrupt halt, really, at UFC. Um, and then this guy that's made a name for himself now by knocking out Sage Northcott, Cosmo Alexandra. Um, I've never heard of him, but I mean I have now. Yeah, I have nothing to say apart from well done, Cosmo Alexander, with that right hand. Yeah, there you go. So, any other quick mentions? Um, yeah, yeah, we got we got a few. There's literally not no no worthy um, MMA next week, but we've got a few boxing cards going on. So, um, young prodigy, uh, Devin Devin Haney is fighting next week. Um, he's actually on the undercard. So, um, Jessica McCaskill, uh, she is female. WBA uh, super super lightweight champion so she's headlining her own card and she is fighting um, she's fighting a unification fight um, so that should be pretty good and uh, Darren Haney um, he was supposed to supposedly going to fight um, Luke Campbell for the WPC title but now that's Luke Campbell versus Lomachenko Darren Haney is another one of those guys that's you know he's the next Mayweather he has got a lot of skills, and I rate him very highly. So he's fighting a guy called Antonio Moran, which is um he's a decent um, opponent to have. He's got twenty four wins, three losses um against these decent uh, opponents, and uh, no draws. Also on that card is Michael Hunter, um he's a very good fighter. His only losses against Usyk, which was a competitive fight, uh, he should win against Fabio Mardelino. Um, and there's Filip Hergovich, another heavyweight, which is he's highly touted from um, Russia, I think. Uh, he's on the undercard. Um, also, we got um, Austin Trout is fighting Terrell Gachet, um in the Super Welterweight division. Um, he's a top fighter. He's fought Charlo. He's fought Canelo. He's fought Cotto. He beat Cotto when Cotto was more in his prime. So he's headlining the card in America as well. And finally, you've got an ES- ESPN card. Uh, Masayuki Ito versus Jamal Herring for the WBO Super Heavyweight title, and underneath that, on the undercard of that fight, you got Jose Pedraza, who I rate quite highly. He fought Lomachenko to a, you know, gave Lomachenko a, a tough fight, and he uh, was the long reigning champion at one hundred and thirty pounds before he got beat by Javante Davis. So that's also another good guy in that card. So, yeah, um, yeah, we got that boxing going on next week. Before we forget, then um, you wanted to mention there was a fight happening in Scotland over the weekend as well. Oh wow, we got so much boxing to talk about. So Josh Taylor um, fought Ivan Baranchik, and that fight was part of the W um, the World Boxing Super Series tournament um, at light welterweight. So um, that was a semi final fight. Josh Taylor is a he's basically like the new Ricky Burns. If you know who Ricky Burns is, he was like the how can I say, 
the love child of Scotland in terms of Scottish boxing, and now uh, Just Taylor has taken over from him. Um, he beat Berenchik, um for the IBF uh, light, uh, super lightweight title, or light well-weight title, whatever you want to call it. Um, now he's in the final. He fights Regis Progress in the final, which is going to be an epic fight. Um, and also on the undercard of that was... Um, Anue uh, uh, Anoy, Japanese fighter versus Manny Rodriguez. Um, again, that was a World Super Series, World Boxing Super Series semi-final for bantamweight. And uh, Anoue Anoy, this was touted as a 50-50 fight. Anoue Anoy's hardest fight ever, and he goes and knocks a guy out in the second round. Just absolutely starches him. And he's, now he's in the final versus Nunito Donaire, which is who is a Filipino flash, legend of boxing. So, yeah. I mean, that's going to be epic, those two finals later on in the year. All right, then. All right. I think that's it for this week. And um, before we go, just a quick mention what's happening next week, which is nothing at all. No, just kidding. Um, but I think next week we're, we're going to focus on heavily on previews. Uh, obviously, we've got um, Joshua fighting the week after. But, of course, we'll bring you the news and the results of everything that happened that weekend as well. So... With that, I want to thank the knowledge himself, Courtney. Um, you sparred some really, really good guys in in boxing, and we talked about this before before the podcast started. <laughs> and I have to take my hat off to you because um, you actually sparred your boxing trainer, Charlie, and uh, Charlie's no bum, you could say. <laughs> so um, yeah, he had a bloody nose to uh, you know as your as your memento from that fight. I want to thank you very much for, for this episode. And um, yeah, any final words before we call it? As always, guys, like, comment, share, subscribe, and support the movement. All right, see you next week. You've been listening to Before the Bell podcast. Tune in next week for more about the world of mixed martial arts. <laughs>